This is a tremendous verse because it tells us why we were put on planet earth and why God saved us to bring him pleasure. Or to please him would be another way of putting it. How can we juggle work and how can we uh, juggle uh, spouses and children and and church work and God and, and all that? So the question is, is there not a way to simplify life? Is it really as complicated as we think? Do we have to keep going like this? Did God ever mean for it to be like this? Or is it mankind that has taken what God never intended to be and and made it something else? So I want you to listen carefully and and try and help all of us here with the, the simple life of pleasing God. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Well, if things were that fast-paced back then, how much worse are they in the 21st century? And so this is kind of a continuation of that truth anyway, or a spin-off. And I'd like to talk about briefly here the, the simple life of pleasing God. The simple life of pleasing God. How can we simplify life? And, and really, the answer to that is by getting back to doing the one thing that we were put on planet Earth to do, and that is to please God. Notice this verse with me, if you would, in Revelation chapter 4, and in verse number 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. The simple life of doing what we were put here to do, and that is to please God. Let's pray before we begin. Our Father, we come before Thee at this hour. We ask that You would help us to embrace and wrap our hearts and minds around this profound truth. And may it change us. May it help us. May it strengthen us. May it remind us of why we're here and really as Christian people what it is all about. Help us to listen carefully and to understand it as simple as it is. We pray now and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier today, I enjoyed a a great meal with the Bible college students over in the gym. And afterwards, I was talking to one of our upperclassmen, somebody who's been here now for several years. And he uh, rehearsed again, I guess, something that I'd explained maybe in a chapel years ago or something along those lines of, of my days as a Bible college student. And he said, tell me again, did you run an electrical business? I said, yeah. And he said, well, were you married at the time? I said, yeah. And did you have children? Yep. And at least one. And he said, were you busy in the church? And I said, yeah, I was the assistant pastor. I was the treasurer. I was the song leader. I was the choir director. I was uh, the uh, youth director and the Sunday school teacher, the teens, and just on and on and on it went. And he just stopped me and he said, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? Well, I want you to know, if I could go back to that pace, it would be a cakewalk. And that would be wonderful. Because life doesn't get any less busy, not in the Christian world anyway, it gets more busy. And, and that's actually a good sign that you're growing and you're going the right direction here. How can we juggle work and how can we uh, juggle uh, spouses and children and, and, and church work and God and, and all that? It sounds so complicated. Well, it is if we have a frame of mind that is not scriptural. We find here that 
God pulls back the curtain of heaven, gives us a little glimpse into what's going on up there as those who have gone before us are praising the Lord. And what are they saying? In verse 11, they're saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, this is an amazing verse. There are some who have gotten offended by this verse and said, well, I'm not here to just please God. I'm not just some chess piece that God's moving around. Well, I had somebody tell me that years ago, and and, and obviously he didn't get it. We find here a gratification and, and a gratitude on the part of God's people in praising the one who redeemed them and, and put them in heaven in the first place. And they mention a few truths. First of all, he's worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Well, number one, he's created all things. It didn't evolve. It didn't just uh, uh, come to be from some amoeba that uh, came out of this, uh, this pond of scum and, and sprouted eyes and, and ears and legs and, and elbows and knees and started walking around and, and evolved in, in, into something from a tadpole to an ape to a man. That is a fairy tale. Uh, can you imagine people actually believing that? God created all things. There's design in it. There's intelligence behind it. And so we praise him because he created everything. And then it goes on and it says, And for thy pleasure they are and were created. This is a tremendous verse because it tells us why we were put on planet earth and why God saved us to bring him pleasure. Or to please him would be another way of putting it. We are here to bring him glory. We are here to please him. Now, we live in a world that is all stressed up and nowhere to go. And even it's, it's kind of boiled over into the Christian world to where we've been caught up in that breakneck pace and we've gotten on that treadmill with them and, and we find ourselves all stressed out. It's a very stressful society in which we live. And one study has showed that 43% of all adults have some kind of adverse reaction or adverse effect or health problem due to nothing but stress. 43%. They have concluded that 75 to 85% of all uh, visits to a primary health care physician are stress-related. Imagine that. They have also come out with this statistic that those who burn out from their jobs and everything else in life has doubled in the last 10 years. Um, stress is linked to heart disease, it's linked to uh, cancer, it's obviously linked to suicide. And so you have all these things that are, are shaking down because of stress. There are one million workers who are absent from their job every year due to something stress-related. So the question is, is there not a way to simplify life? I mean, we've got to get it at the roots here, and, and the symptoms are one thing, but is it really as complicated as we think? Do we have to keep going like this? Did God ever mean for it to be like this? Or is it mankind that has taken what God never intended to be and and made it something else? That's the tendency of human nature. The night I got saved, I went, I don't know about you, but what an anvil was lifted off of my chest. What a, a burden was lifted off of me. And Jesus Christ is the one who said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, I was laboring, trying to work my way to heaven. I was heavy laden with my sin. And when God saved me, it was like, it was such a blessing. But let me just say, and I'm being truthful, the responsibilities didn't go away. 
In fact, they've only compounded and mushroomed and, and snowballed. And, and, and I think it's the same really in your life as we just journey on closer to heaven, that it gets more uh, complicated and we must confront things uh, daily and they just never go away. I'm not one who stops wishing for a simpler life. I wish it would simplify. I, I wish we did live in the little house in the prairie days. I wish I could build a cabin out in the woods with an acre of land, plant a garden and shoot a few deer and, and not go into town. Doesn't that sound nice, by the way? <laughs> it sounds really nice. Uh, you can say, uh, yeah, you've thought about it. And the, the truth is, if you place people in a time tunnel from that era and you brought them back into this era, they would freak out. If they watched Wall Street traders, I mean, have you ever watched them on the trading floor? They think we're fanatics. It's unbelievable. And if they ever watched this stuff going on, they'd go, really? Has it really come to that? You know, back in the old days, that if uh, you went into town to catch a stagecoach and you missed it by... Ten minutes, you just said, oh, well, and you went home, and you waited three weeks for the next one. It was a different day. Nowadays, if we miss one slot in the revolving door, we have a duck fit, you know? I mean, we just lost a half a second of precious time here. It's the day and age in which we live in. You know, they no longer build houses with front porches on them, do they? And that is really a sad reflection of the day and age in which we live in. They stopped doing that in the really late 60s and 70s, 80s, and so on and so forth. People back in the 30s and 40s sat on their porches in the evening, and they, they unwound. They fellowshiped. They, they had a good time out there. They don't build porches like they do anymore on the house in which I live in, but that's 100 years old, over 100 years old. It's a diff different day and age in which we live in. So I want you to listen carefully and, and try and help all of us here with the, the simple life of pleasing God. I like things that are practical and simple and make sense. If you took the average person's life, they have dissected it up into uh, various compartments and, and there's a piece here and there's a piece there and there's a piece there and it, it's kind of like uh, papers that are just strewn all over a desk and it's kind of like, oh, I've got to get this done. Oh, I've got to get that done. Oh, I've got to get that done. We're picking up one at a time. We're, we're looking at these things. And, and each day brings with it the frustration of unfinished business because we have these papers that, I've got to get all this done. I've got to do this, so on and so forth. And life is very complicated as a result. Jesus said in the last days, men's hearts will be failing them for fear. That is stress. That is stress. And I think if you're an average person here, you've got... Like me, may, maybe way too many irons in the fire. You've got way too much on your plate. It, it's just going over. And, and the average American is, is living on the edge of a, a nervous breakdown, on the edge of cracking up. And, and the question is, will the world ever go back to the slow pace? The answer is no. It's just not going to happen. We can dream on. And if you try and stop or you try and slow down, you get run over. So you say, how can I keep up with this? Well, let me just say, uh, America will never tear down its skyscrapers and take that ground back and plow it up and, and turn it back into the old West days. We are just heading toward more and more chaos and hecticness. And, and what Daniel described in the last days is people running to and fro. You've read that? Knowledge increasing and, 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 and the technology and, and people running to and fro on a treadmill. And really, it's not going to slow down again until, I believe, the millennium. That's about when it's finally going to get back to where it ought to be. So we're going to have to learn the secret to uh, the simple life of pleasing Him. Uh, it's sink or swim, really. Is there something 
that we can do because I don't think anybody wants to go through life full of anxiety and, and, and stress and regret. Our text here talks about why we're here in verse 11. We were created to please Him. To please Him. Look in Romans chapter 11 if you would. With that as a backdrop, let's expound on that. At salvation, we are to surrender everything. And, and that's what's missing in a lot of people's professions of faith, is the surrender thing. And the surrendered life is one of, of where we surrender up, basically our goals, our aspirations, our dreams. Not to mean that, well, we've got this dull, boring life now ahead of us. No, not at all. What God has planned for us, what God's will is for us, is so much better than anything we could imagine. I could have never in my wildest dreams imagined standing here doing what I'm doing here 34 years ago when, when God saved me. And I, I look now at where I was heading, thinking, hoo, 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 this is it, you know, and thinking, what a joke. You know, God has something so much better if we surrender everything to Him. But not only surrendering our lives, but our problems and our finances and, and our grudge matches and our, our possessions and our relationships and our responsibilities. Surrendering everything. He's Lord of all. Now notice here in Romans chapter 11 and in verse 36, it says, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To whom be glory forever and ever. Notice I've underlined my Bible for of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. I am no longer my own. You are no longer your own if you are a Christian. You're dead and your life is hidden in Christ, we're told. And we belong to the Lord. It's His life. It's His business. It's his work, and honestly, folks, I'm just along for the ride. I am just along for the ride. I, I have one thing to do, and that is to please God. And, and so if, if it's all about Him, I let God run the show. All I've got to do is please Him. Now, I could look around and say, man, we're in a, a building project here, and there's things to be overseen. There's decisions to be made. There are phones ringing. There's counseling to be done. There's administrating to be done. There's the vision to cast. There are people to be counseled with. There are men to train. Uh, there's the printing ministry and the buses and the children's church and the youth ministry. And we could go on and on saying, you know, I, I got all this stuff to do, but really we lump it together and, and we just say, no, we are to please God. You might say, I've got babies to raise, I've got a house to upkeep, I've got things to finance, I've got whatever, and maybe you've got Bible studies going, and visitation, and callbacks, and letters to rights, and emails, and texts, and all kinds of things. But the bottom line is, we really only have one thing. It's described in Revelation 4.11. We were created to please Him. It's not a matter of how many things we're getting done, because really, all we have to do in the Christian life is remember whatever we're doing. Am I pleasing Him? Is this His will? Is this what He wants from me? I've never enjoyed life more. I, I, I'm just being honest with you. I've never been busier, but I've never enjoyed life more. And if my, my body's stressed, my mind doesn't know it, because I... I'm enjoying the ride. I'm dumb and happy, if you will. It's a joy to have real purpose in life. It is a joy to me to have all these things to do and know that in doing them, it pleases God. 
And so if we're training uh, people for the ministry, if we're winning souls, if we're doing whatever, is it bringing God pleasure? You know, that is the reason the Lord Jesus Christ walked this earth. His whole ministry, we could sum it up, you know, He's, he's opening deaf ears and uh, unstopping uh, deaf ears and opening blind eyes and raising dead people and He's preaching and He's doing... But, but Acts 10 says this, so simply, and I love this verse. He went about doing good. He went about doing good. You don't read anywhere in the Bible where it hints of Christ being, you know, a little bit shook, or, or a little bit nervous, or a little bit anxious. He went about doing good. Look, if you would, in 1 John chapter 4. Now, the Lord's gone back to heaven. He's left us here. We are supposed to be a little Jesus, if I could put it that way. We are supposed to be a little Jesus. We've been left with some simple instructions. We're here to take the place of Christ. Notice in 1 John 4, verse 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Now, the Bible says that Jesus Christ went about doing good. As He is, so are we now in this world. He's gone back to heaven, but we are in this world, and as He is, we are to be in this world. He went about doing good. doesn't say He did this, He did that, He did the other thing. doesn't mention uh, anything but Him continually wanting to please the Father. Have you noticed that in the Gospels? He said, I do always those things that please Him. That's all he was concerned about. I won't say worried about. He never worried. He, he lived to be a blessing to others, and he, he lived to please the Father. And now he says, whatsoever I've done, I want you to do. So really, you don't have to work a job. You don't have to raise kids. You don't have to raise a budget. You don't have to worry about a, a roof over your, your family. You don't have to worry about the relatives and the chaos of this situation, that scenario, and this issue, and that issue. All you have to worry about or be concerned about, is pleasing Him. Is this His will? Is what I am doing pleasing to Him? I don't have to counsel. I don't have to administrate. I don't have to worry about building projects and Bible studies and discipleship and winning souls. And on and on the list goes. All I have to worry about is pleasing Him. Am I pleasing Him? And let me just say, He's not hard to please. The religion I grew up made him sound hard to please. Arms folded, stoic look. That's not the Lord at all. You know that he says if you even give a a cup of water to somebody to drink in his name. What's the reward? How many fold? A hundred fold? That's pretty easy to please. A cup of water. Really? That's all it takes to please him? As you read through the Gospels, and in, in Matthew 6, he says, God himself shall reward you openly. He says, thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. In Luke 6, he says, great shall be your reward. Hebrews 11 says, God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We could talk about Matthew 10, you shall receive a righteous man's reward. In Matthew 10:42 he shall no wise lose his reward. Matthew 16 then shall God reward every man. Matthew 9 or Mark 9 he shall not lose his reward. Luke 6 great is your reward in heaven. I'm saying God's not hard to please. He is anxious to reward. He is easy to please. 
All we have to do is please him. So some housewife here says, man, I've got to clean the refrigerator. I've got that ironing stacked up. The housework has gotten away from me. I've got to sew that torn bedspread. I've I got to get supper ready. I've got to clean the bathroom. Isn't that a blessing? I, I've got to uh, spend time with the kids and take Junior to his piano lesson and pick up the dry cleaning and, and get the groceries and on and on and on. Ma'am, you're complicating life. All you have to do is say, whatever I'm doing, is it pleasing Him? Because that's all that matters. That is the reason we were put here. Plain and simple, we were created for His pleasure and to do His will. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, take no thought for any of that stuff. Right? Take no thought. The Greek word is merimanaho. And it, it means an anxious thought or a thought full of care or a thought of worry where we are concerned about something. You know, in Philippians 4.6, the Bible says, be careful for nothing. And it's not saying, don't be cautious. It's saying, don't be full of care about anything or to be anxious for nothing. You know, you just lump it all together and all you've got to worry about is doing the will of God, being a blessing to others. Please Him, plain and simple. And, and really, it's all in how we look at it. How are we looking at it? You say, i got to go here, i got to do that, i got to accomplish this. No, you have to please God. We have to please God. It doesn't have to be complicated. You know, everywhere you look and I look, we probably see responsibilities. Uh, we see unfinished jobs. We see something waiting. Jesus said, take no thought. Take no thought. Take no thought. Honestly, you just start in a corner and you just work your way out. And as you get done with this, you do that. As you get done with that, you do this. Pretty soon you turn around and you say, wow, look what God did. You know, we were talking earlier today about the finish of the parking lot here. And, and yesterday I heard uh, Clint saying, singing, it is finished. And, and at the top of his lungs. And I don't think he meant, well, anyway. But anyhow, we, we, we had somewhere between 350 and, and uh, 400, probably, I don't know what we had with, with the foundation walls. That's just the parking lot. But imagine the buildings, the foundation walls, the flat work, the, the balcony. It's got to be somewhere between near 400 concrete trucks, one at a time, coming in here. And at some time yonder, back years ago, we poured the very first yard of concrete. You say, how in the world did all those tons of concrete get poured? Just one yard at a time. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't wring our hands about it. We just put our heads down. We just got to work. And pretty soon, it's done. It's done. All we have to do, even when pouring concrete or doing whatever that project is, is just take it one day at a time and say, this is pleasing to the Lord. By the way, that's how you train a child. One day at a time. One lesson at a time. One diaper at a time. You can, by the way, I, I was holding a newborn yesterday and, and thinking, these parents have thousands of diapers to change. And they do. That's only their first one. Imagine raising several that way. You say, I got thousands of meals and thousands of baths and, and all this homeschooling. And you don't have to look at it that way. Whatever you do from the time they start kindergarten till the time they graduate. We had a wedding here yesterday. Till the time you walk them down the aisle is whatever it takes to raise that child, just think of it one day at a time, is this pleasing God? What I'm doing today, whether it's the dishes, whether it's the sewing, whether it's the laundry, I'm just trying to please God. I am raising a family here. Stop looking at your life as, as 
scattered in a million different directions with all these things you got to do and wear a thousand different hats and so on and so forth. You don't. You and I wear one hat. And on that hat is written, pleasing Him. Pleasing Him. Let the arms of God reach around all that stuff in your life and bind it together so that you don't come apart at the seams and just say, all I need to do is please Him. I'm telling you, the devil's made a bunch of nervous Marthas out of us, hasn't he? Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about, what? Many things. Christ said, but one thing is needful, right? One thing is needful, and and Mary's chosen that needful thing. It was pleasing to Jesus to have Mary at his feet listening. She was doing the thing that pleased the Lord. Let's stop being a Martha. Look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would. 1 Corinthians 10. Bind it all together. What is the will of God for your life? Boy, that's the $64,000 question, isn't it? Well, here's the answer. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 31. The Bible says, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever it is, do it for His glory. Do it for His pleasure. That's why we're here. We need to say, today I just want to be in the will of God, doing what He wants. I'm not going to complicate it. Don't invite stress in. Don't invite a nervous breakdown and bad health. In fact, rebuke the devourer. That's Satan. Now, he wants to put all that stuff on your plate. Who's trying to devour your joy? I'll guarantee you who it is. Quit cutting up the life into so many small pieces. God left us behind on planet earth after saving us for one purpose. One purpose only. To please Him. For His pleasure we are and were created. So when I'm studying up in my attic in the wee hours of the morning, I'm pleasing God. Or when I'm on the phone all day with administration, I'm pleasing God. Uh, When I'm spending time with my family, by the way, I'm pleasing God, or my grandson. <laughs> I'm, ple- I'm, I'm just pleasing God. That's all I'm trying to do there, really. If I'm talking to my teenage daughter, I'm pleasing God. If I'm spending time with my wife, I'm pleasing God. If I'm working on her honey-do list, guys, you have those? I'm pleasing Him. If I'm counseling, if I'm, I'm, I'm working with the radio or the, the Bible college or I'm out on visitation or whatever it might be, I'm pleasing God. That's all we have to worry about. I'm really just doing one thing. And let me just say, time is too short to worry. We are here today and gone tomorrow, aren't we? And, and, and we have so little time. And I know so many. They've gone on to the reward in heaven. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably not a three-week span that goes by these days without some preacher I know that you hear has gone on to the reward. Or or pastor's wife. I just heard of one today. God has called us to do one thing while we're here. And it's to please Him. It's to live for Him. We don't have to be a nervous wreck. Jesus Christ was not a nervous wreck. We, We saw it earlier today in Mark 6. They had no leisure. No, not so much as to eat. And yet Christ was called. You know, he was praying during the night. He was preaching during the day. He was missing meals. He could have cracked up, but he didn't. 
He didn't. He said, I came to do the will of my Father, and I do always those things that please Him. Now, as He is, so are we in this earth. Or at least we we should be. It's very simple. All we got to do is live for Him. So when I'm preparing a message, when I'm counseling, when I'm fixing the car for my wife, when I'm, I'm paying the bills and balancing the checkbook or having a Bible study or calling on a new arrival or, or, or calling back on a visitor or, or whatever it might be, all I'm concerned about is this pleasing to Him. I'll be out east this week. I believe it's the will of God. I'm doing what I'm doing to please Him. Uh, uh, a week from tonight, I'll be in the Twin Cities. We'll be organizing a church down there. Praise God for that. But all we're doing is trying to please Him. You say, oh, but pastor, I've got a million things to do. No, you don't. And I don't. We only have one thing to do. One thing is necessary. And so we don't have to be frustrated and nervous. Uh, we can be uh, calm. We can be serene. If we just remember that text, why we are here. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can enjoy life. You can enjoy your time here. And, and may I say this, pressure's not a bad thing. Not all pressure's a bad thing. I, I believe that there is a balance, and I believe that it's like that violin sitting over there, that if I go over there right now and, and I unwind it, it's going to go bang, 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 bang. It's going to be no sound. It's going to be worthless. And if I take that, that peg and I, I tighten it, and it goes bang, 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 ping, that's not good either, is it? There's got to be that balance. And, and so it is even in life. If it's too tight, it's going to ping. If it's too sloppy, it's going to sag and be loose and be useless. And, and so not all pressure is bad. We need a balance. It, it makes life challenging. It makes life exciting. And uh, we need to quit complaining. We're going to be out of here soon enough. You know, Paul said in Philippians, just turn a few pages forward, Philippians chapter 3, something very, very interesting here. Paul, of all people, was busy, busy, busy. It was go, go, go all the time. But in Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived. Notice this next sentence. But this one thing I do. One thing I do. Isn't that interesting? Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. In other words, what does God think? You know, we don't have to look at life as a bunch of areas. Paul said, this one thing I do. If, if a car drives by, you don't go, you know, there goes a tire and a hubcap and an axle and, and a gas tank and uh, leather seats and uh, windshield wiper blades and headlights. and No, it's a car. We say, there goes a car. You ask two carpenters who are building houses, you ask one, what are you doing? He could say, well, I'm pouring a foundation on top of that. I'm going to put a plate and then a rim joist. And, and then I'm going to put my joist across. I'm going to put decking on top of that. I'm going to put my uprights in and frame in the walls. And then I'm going to sheet it. And I'm going to set my trusses on top of that and, and, and put the deck over that. And there's shingles to go over that under the felt paper. And, and uh, I got siding to put on, you know, tie that. He, he's not going to say that. He's not going to describe the electrician coming in, the plumber and the rough-ins. The, you know, he's going to say, I'm building a house. Building a house. He's doing one thing. Paul said, this one thing I do. You know, I only did one thing yesterday. <gasps> yeah. And you know something? I've only done one thing all day long today. 
You say, you lazy rascal. Just, yeah. And, and guess what? Tomorrow, I'm just going to do one thing. You scoundrel. How could you? And, and all week, next week, I plan on only doing one thing. Get the point? I hope you'll join me. Uh, just try and be the best Christian you can be. I've quit counseling. I don't, I don't study anymore. I, I, don't, I don't pray anymore. I, I, I don't uh, preach anymore. I, I don't worry about being a dad or a husband or a soul winner or whatever. I just do one thing. And we need to do just one thing. Whatever that thing is, please Him. Let's decide to be happy Christians. Let's get the stress out. If we want peace and calmness and serenity, just bind life together in one thing. He's worthy to receive glory and honor, for He's created all things. And for His pleasure, they are and were created. Let's simplify life by just pleasing Him. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Puppet Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.